This is Hey Beautiful, the podcast where we binge and recap every episode of How I Met Your Mother. No spoilers. So suit up, grab a sandwich, and settle in. Hi, Kate. Hi. It's so good to see you. Oh, you too. Welcome, welcome back, everybody. We've it's been, it's a, been a summer. It's been a summer. Usually our summers are crazy, and this has been no exception. Um, how how have you been? Well, I just spent the last two days at work setting up my space. Yeah. Uh, I'm so mad about it because it's summer and I'm not getting paid. And trash. My room looks presentable, but there's so much shit I need to do, and I'm yeah. like, I'm not spending any more of my summer. And my friend Absolutely is, not. she can't even get into her room yet because they haven't finished cleaning it. And when the custodians we were like, we have we uh, the 29th and we have back to okay. school night on the 29th. And that's the thing. Like, we're supposed to be on the schedule for Monday. We have one hour from, I think, 12 to 1. Half hour is for lunch, which they just increased from 25 minutes. So a half hour for lunch, and the other half is in our room, and then we have to be ready for parents at three o'clock. Uh, oh my o'clock. god! So that's it's criminal. Expected that you come in and you don't get paid. And yeah. Somebody complained about it to the union because I'm on the contract negotiation committee, and yeah. I was really disheartened because there were comments made about how well we're getting paid throughout the summer. And I raised my hand. I was like, I'm getting paid for the work I did on the last con- last school year through the summer. Yeah. I'm not getting right, paid. Right. I'm paid for 185 contract days or 88, something like that. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah. And that does not include the summer. So Garbage. It's kind of grouchy and that, that's just expected. Ugh, and that like when yeah. you try to say something, it's kind of like, well, you're still getting a paycheck. No. Not for the work <laughs> that I'm actually doing. Two of my friends have been in district for six years. They both have master's degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a posting for an administrative assistant position, and the that position is higher in salary than my friends who've been working for six years. With they should apply for it. Be like, I know, that's what we this. were talking about. Yeah, dude, I would. I mean, I know somebody who is in like who's like a teaching coach, mm-hmm. and she wants to be a gym teacher now. She's like, yeah. this fucking sucks. Yes, like why? I want to get you know. I just want a job that like doesn't make me feel like I want to jump off a building. So I went in yesterday for the first time all summer. And I next year, if I'm still there, mm-hmm. um, my room got gets cleaned first because it's in a different wing that's not used at all. So yeah. my room's been clean and ready to unpack since June 27th. So next year, I'm going to do that. And then I'm not going to do shit. But went into school yesterday and then immediately went home, immediately logged on to the public student or public service forgiveness loan, loan forgiveness. Yeah. Thing. Immediately went on re recertified, like filled out the form to get recertified for the most up-to-date count and sent that to HR to sign. Good. Because I can't, I'm like, Nope. Yeah, I dude. got, I just submitted one a few months ago. I'm like, Oh, I need those extra three months. Cause I'm at 105, yeah. 105 That's- of 120. And they don't—they have like a year almost. That's awesome. Yay! Anyway, Yay. Hi. that's great. That's great. Hi. How have you been? Let me hear your update. Um. Just yeah. It's from just got back from the first vacation that knock on wood went well. Uh, this whole summer, 
every time we tried to take a break this summer, something horrendous happened. Um, so this was the first time that we got away. Everything was okay. Good. We went to Michigan. Everything was fine. Um, and we just had a wonderful time with our friends at the lake. Just so I feel like human again. Before we left, there was like car issues and health issues in the family and, you know, the whole thing. So um just very, very grateful for that for that week. Did you bring Fudge home for your family? I saw Mrs. Mouse I post. Did she's so sweet, isn't she? And your mom, she was like, "I'll show you the sights too." I know they're so cute when they talk to each other. Mrs. Mouse is Liz's mom. Mister and Mrs. Mouse, they're such sweet little people. Oh yeah, they're so, so mean, cute. Which makes sense because of Liz is just yeah. like as lovely and yeah, and we so. Her parents came up to the lake house for a couple days. And these people, I don't know, it's it's a Midwest thing. They love being in the car. Like they love driving around and it makes me want to die. You live but, in Rhode Island for too long too, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Um, but we did end up going to this town called Northport, which is like on one of the like the little uh peninsulas that goes into Mich- uh, Lake Michigan. And mm. we happened to be there the day that there was a dog parade. And the, the theme was Alice in Wonderland. Oh, it was Al- adorable. I Freaking saw like adorable. the teapot. Yes, or, like, yes, yes. The Mad Hatter thing. And it's just, I couldn't figure what out that that was. Oh my God. It was so adorable. Like it had already ended. And so it was just dogs all over town just dressed like as different characters. It was really, really, really That's sweet. adorable. So this time the car trips were, were worth it. Good. <coughs> yeah. That's important. Yeah. But I'm just, I feel very grateful to have had just a week where nothing went wrong. (laughs) You know, like just a week. It was great. Not asking for too much there. Just seven days. Trying not to. Yeah. All right. So. All right. Not a lot at the top of this episode. We're going to keep it tight because we have the second half of Carter Bays' interview to share. Zoe debut and we don't really care about her. Also Zoe. You know what I think? I think the issue is um, the big issue with Zoe. Besides her stupid hats, I counted four in this episode alone. So we're just going to keep a dumb hat tally. Perfect. As we go, Um, the thing is, we know she's not the mother, and Mm -hmm. I think that that I mean, I would not have liked her as a candidate anyway. But knowing that, it's like, why do we even want to care? Why do we even want to care about this character? So I'm just like, already. And then she's so, <clears throat> she's so bad for Ted and so abrasive. So and I'm just like, rating and just yes, fucking yes. hats. So the blonde problem continues for Ted, the blonde plague. Oh. Uh, no one who's blonde on this show. Ends up being a good person besides Barney. <laughs> but, but the blonde women, the blonde women do not, it does not bode not well, good. at least for Ted. Mm-mm. The blonde menace continues. So here we are. We're at Zoe. Um, but it is really cool to have talked to Carter about uh, the Arcadian and that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you haven't heard the full interview, the rest of it's going to be in this episode. Or if you're on Patreon, you can listen to the whole thing at once. So it's really, really good. We, and I really still can't believe time. we interviewed him. 
girl, me neither. It was, it was so great. So thank you to Carter. He, <clears throat> in this second half of the interview, he reads an excerpt from oh. the mutual friend. And it was, a, it was a section that Caitlin and I both loved. Yes. Um, so placement. you'll love that. It's going to be about halfway through this episode. So, um, that's, that's pretty much it. The only other thing that I put at these, the top of the show notes is that Neil Patrick Harris's new show on coupled is out. Um, and he was also on hot ones, which is one of my favorite YouTube shows. Caitlin, mm. are you familiar with hot ones? It's Yeah. You gotta eat like the spicy stuff. The wings that get progressively mm -hmm. hotter. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I haven't watched him yet, but I will be watching it. I'm sure it's going to be hilarious because that show is just so good. It's one of my favorites. Well, we should watch it together. Do a live yeah. react. Oh, yeah, yeah. We can do that. Um, okay. So, Caitlin, if you want to intro us. Is it 11? Are we at 11? Okay. We're at nine legendary moments. And I'll let you take it away from here. All right. <clears throat> This episode is brought to you by our Patreon pals, especially our Almighty Five members, Ben, Adam, Tish, and Johnny. Our Patreon family has 70 members and counting, and our sliding scale means no matter what you can afford, you can enjoy all the perks we offer. That means early access to every episode we make, private live streams with us, exclusive recaps of How I Met Your Father, and more. So you can join for just as little as $2 a month at patreon.com slash heybeautifulpod. So this is season six, episode five, uh, Architect of Destruction. It first aired on October 18th, 2010. I almost said 2020. That was silly. <laughs> um, it was written by uh, Baze and Thomas and directed by hey. Pam Freiman. So Baze and Thomas wrote this episode, I guess, because it's introducing kind of a big character and the big theme of the Arcadian, right? Yeah. And also, um, so I started listening to the Private Joke podcast um, because, yeah. duh, it starts with season six. And I was kind of bummed that I have forgotten about it. And I listened to all the previous episodes and they were great and they had a lot of good insight, which I can't remember now. So I apologize. But <laughs> they had Stephen Lloyd and Robia Rashad, who they didn't write the episode, but they gave some insight. And oh, cool. they did... Um, uh oh shoot what is it called punching up or not punching yeah up. yeah punching up yeah 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 when you have to like add jokes yeah you punch it up oh yeah that's right like that. that's right okay um <laughs> and but one thing that they talked about in terms of zoe and ted and you brought this up too is like why do we care so yeah, what are the they stakes said, yeah and it's kind of intentional about this adversarial relationship because it's a sixth set sixth season we still haven't found the mom and he's matched with a few people and things haven't worked out for whatever reason. But this is totally different. Like, it's just mm. a bad match from the beginning. And Period. so it was kind yeah. of, yeah. And that was kind of like the intent behind it was just to have this like really poor relationship and just all the things that kind of like can go wrong. The idea of a nemesis is kind of fun. Ted hasn't really had that. Mm. Um, True. Yeah. So, and another insight yeah. I'll talk about later is, um, the locker room talk too, but we'll get there. Oh, interesting. In the yeah. As you were saying, like the adversarial thing that it's bad from the beginning, I was thinking about the, the, the triangle of a good relationship, right? The chemistry, compatibility, and timing. I mean, obviously <laughs> compatibility is missing. Like they are nothing alike. Nope. And they, yeah. Um, but even chemistry, chemistry is not really there. So it's literally just, 
He happened to be on the street when this pretty girl walked up. Like that timing is working out in that they just happen to encounter one another. But but she's also married. Yeah. So. So. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? Uh, so not even the timing is there. This triangle is. It's a circle a, of it bad. Is, yeah. In tatters on the floor. So starting off great, Ted. Way to and go. Yeah, I guess that's true. It's it is interesting for him to have an adversary. <sighs> but she's not funny. Like she's not funny. And I don't know if it's I'm gonna say it's the acting because the writing's always really good. I, I'm gonna I, say it's the acting because I've seen her in other things and she's always the same. Yeah, like, and she's like a she's more serious. She's not a she's not funny. And so she, if if she had been like kind of like like a Henrietta hilarious yeah would be a funny adversary yeah. right like Not... that level or a patrice oh spoilers ahead you know yeah. but just like she's supposed to be like i don't know there's it, it just doesn't it's not doing it for me but that's fine that's fine that's fine it's agreed she does not and the hats don't help the fucking the hats, hats don't help because but, the whole time she's in she's in the hats and the scarf and the gloves and i get it's because she's hiding her ring the whole time but like ted's just in like a blazer and i'm like what why are you time so of year is it why are you so fashion, cold I guess. do you have a circulation they, problem like what is the deal was it renaud renaud's renaud yeah renaud's <laughs> your fingers just are white i know a couple people with that you um, my doctor said i out, probably have it <laughs> shout like, out renaud's gang <laughs> Woo. Woo-hoo. If you put can, the white sorry. tips up. Yeah, um, put your white tips up. I told my doctor, I was like, my feet and fingers are like regularly like numb and cold. Jesus. Are you anemic? I'm anemic. Well, that's always been my excuse for time. why I can't give blood. Because I pass <laughs> out. No, yeah. I, I I will like hit the floor. I literally yeah, pass yeah, out. Girl. I can barely give blood, do blood work for like medical reasons. Yeah, I'm. I'm I, I hope to work up to that. Um, because very yeah, admirable and noble, and it's fun. needed. Anyway, um, anyway, let's keep it tight. Let's right. Keep we it said tight. that. All right. No so it's fall walks. of 2010, and yes. uh, remember, Teddy Westside is living his dream, working with his two buddies, designing his very own skyscraper. Mm-hmm. Um, until and it's like all going swimmingly. Until he realizes the location of this new building is going to be dis- demolishing the Arcadian, which is a fictional um, uh, building, but per the Hymnian wiki page was modeled after the Hotel Pennsylvania. Hmm. So, fun fact, that hotel actually was just recently demolished. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it took like many. Like I have like paragraphs of like how it like you know it got approved, then it got shut down, then approved, then shut down. But um, and I think because it was, like, it was 20- like a landmark kind of thing, is that why? Kind of or, like yeah, there okay. were some things about like um. The thing so, is, they if you're going to be, they never approved the pres- the preservation committee. Landmarks preservation committee declined it. So gotcha. The thing about New York is. Ted, I don't know where you're going to find a building that isn't old to build. There isn't fresh no real estate in Manhattan, dude. No. Like, <laughs> you're going to have to blow up a building. Like, 
You're gonna have to plant some snake eggs. Yeah, I don't. I don't snakes. Um, anyway, so, you know, Ted being like a super architectural nerd, loving old stuff, it's kind of hard for him to like swallow the idea of <clears throat> knocking down this beautiful historic building, as, you know, yeah. in favor of just like some sort of uh, skyscraper that's sort of um, his beautiful design. Yeah, that's, you know, going to be amazing. Right. It's, it's not going to be some like rectangular Boring. box yeah, yeah Ted, or a penis or a, or, or a ham and druthers uh, penis or a t-rex or a t-rex with a stripper in the end <laughs> a stripping um, strip club in the end so then ted goes to tell barney that he can't design the building for him because um it it's just you know not it's not it's not worth it for him mm-hmm. um and there is like a little funny thing where previous, like beginning of the scene, like they're going to do it's legend. Wait for it. If I'm sending you an inter-office mail. And then next scene, Ted comes in and the memo. We get I just dairy. a little note of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. With uh, Marshall and Lily, you know, they're still trying to have a baby and they go all out to really like set the tone too for like every time they're trying to have a baby. Like, yeah, there's weird rose petals. Like, no rose petals on the sheath. I'm just like, who's going to clean that up? Honestly, it's so much, it feels like so much pressure. <laughs> it feels like Ooh. there's a lot of Sexy pressure. Music, on, mood yeah, lighting, yeah, yeah, all the things, even to the point where like Papa can't even get any some tr- can't even get some traction with his slipper socks because Papa. Lily feels so unaroused that yeah her, the egg sucks back up. gets right back up. Papa needs traction, right? Um, needs so you know, moving right along within that little scene, like as they're about to get busy, I'm not really sure. Like all this heavy stuff for like setting the mood, and then Mar- Lily just throws out that, you know, Max and Robin are have really hit it off. They hooked up. He's got a small penis. They have a lot in common. They want a double date. And then Marshall, like, freaks out that he cannot know this information um, because that's all he can think of. And <laughs> Lily's like, it doesn't even matter. And he's like, what are you talking about? And, like, rushes out of the room. So kind of have, Foolish. like, our setup for that, for the episode. We've got... Marshall and Lily still trying to have a baby, still trying to do some sexy stuff. And then yep. Ted um, battling uh, against his moral compass with, you know, destroying For... this beautiful building. But. On behalf okay, of Zoe of all Is people. that really true? Right. Is it really. Is it really about no. that? No. No. I will point out in the cold open, we have Coco Peru, one of the most famous drag queens. Who That's, hits on Ted? I did not bring up that part. Yeah. That's all, it's all good. Oh. She's been in all kinds of stuff. She was in Tu Wong Fu. Um, I mean, she's she's a legend. She's been doing her thing for a zillion years, always in the same iconic red wig. She's great. Um, there's definitely um kind of a conflation, confusion of drag queens and trans people and also sex workers in this. Yeah, they're but, using queen and and I think they said tranny even too. Tranny is said at, at all one point. interchangeably in that. That's it's not- all yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it was 2010. RuPaul's Drag Race was barely a thing, if at all, had it started yet. So I think a lot of a lot of the the drag queen and and gender queer trans stuff is still not 
something that uh, Gen X, old, like Gen X dudes know anything about. Gen X cishat guys know anything about or are writing about. Like that's, it's just how it is. Like that mm-hmm. stuff is not mainstream yet. Um, and like, this was like the end. I, I think it was the end of like the use of tranny as like not a horrendous, horrible thing <laughs> in the mainstream culture. So uh, RIP to those jokes. Not really. Just kidding. They're, they suck. And Zoe saying it made me hate her even more. So, uh, yeah. oh, she, she had me rethinking this eyeshadow. I'm like, you're just, no. No one, yeah, like, oh, you think just, I'm a man. It's just like, it's just the whole, yeah, the whole thing sucks. So, but that's fine. Whatever. We know. Moving on. Yeah, moving on. It's a fart. We know it's a fart. Um, all right. So Ted is then explaining to people, explaining to Barney more about why he can't tear down this building because he loves old things. And, <laughs> you know, he and Zoe had bonded over old, how great it is to be old, blah, 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 blah. But then we get a classic Barneyism that Barney <laughs> Barney has decided to die on the hill of new is always better. <laughs> new is always better. I love when he says, you know what's better than than like the hot girl I just slept with? Like the roommate I haven't even seen naked yet because new Her is always okay better. Looking Her okay looking. Okay looking. I mean, Jay-Z cheated on Beyonce. So I mean, new new is off new is different new often feels different maybe not better but it feels different to people like barney um but there are there are very quickly some holes in his new is always better there's the star wars movies which then he has to double down on that which (sighs) (laughs) that must have killed him inside to do so bad and then uh, there's, of course, Jumbo Jim's Grape Scotch. Oh. Don't let it touch your scotch. <laughs> Good to see Wendy the waitress. I feel like we haven't I seen know. her in a while. Yeah. Bless, bless. Um, so, yeah, he's he's trying to still go new is always better. Like, push forward. Don't worry about things. Um, and then Lily and Marshall come in. And I think Robin's there too. Mm-hmm. And they talk a little bit about the Max penis thing, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But <clears throat> the big thing is we get a we get a where's the poop Robin, but for Ted, which is who's the girl? Yep. Who the heck is it that is <clears throat> making you second guess literally the only thing you have ever consistently wanted in your life? This is it. He worked so, so hard to try to build a skyscraper when he was at the um the firm then he started his own architecture firm to try to get to that place he's teaching architecture still wanting to build a building and here it is the culmination of his life streams and he's gonna give it up for some girl he met on the street suddenly like it's not his thing what that's the perfect question is who is she because that is exactly what's going on, and his friends know him very well. Um, and then I say, enter Zoe and her first dumb hat. Um, <sighs> she happens to know things about architecture. Of course, it's because she's trying to save the building, and she has this petition. Um, and I love the line from Barney of, that's so romantic, I want to fill a suitcase with dead batteries <laughs> and beat you with it. Uh, but yeah, so... We find out who the girl who the girl is. It's it's Zoe and Ted signs this position this petition to save the Arcadian, even though he is He's, the architect of destruction. 
Great wrestling name. Great wrestling name. And she has no idea. So that sets up the rub. <laughs> the rub of this episode is when she's going to find out. How's it going to go? La, la, la. So at so now we're at the double date finally. <clears> and <throat> with Marshall and Lily and Max and Robin. And Max is talking about his decision to start his own law firm. And we just get like this insight into what Marshall's thinking about. And it is only that Max has a small penis. And that <laughs> is literally the only thing he can he can think about. Small penis, small penis. I love he's like, think of any two words that aren't small penis. Ah, oh, got it. Small penis. Small penis. Small penis. I love the way he says it too. Max has a small penis. It's <laughs> so good. Oh, but it's like literally like it just is the only thought running through his head. And and mm-hmm. then Marshall then starts to kind of embarrass himself where he starts to tell Max that you know his law firm isn't that small. And and Max yeah. is like, no, it's it's pretty small. Like the office is tiny, the conference room is tiny. Um, he just like can't Marshall can't let it go. Um right. And it's it's kind of cringe. Very, very, very cringe. cringe. Very um, and cringe. even like everything <clears throat> that he says, like, is just cringe. And you can like relate it back to the size. Like, you know, he talks about who's going to get the porterhouse steak. And last time it was huge. And he's like, holds up like. This big. That reminds me of when Barney and J-Lo are at the bar and she's like touching his suit. And he's like, the more you touch it, the softer it gets. Yeah. mine's the tiniest you know <laughs> about the i love a tiny fiber <laughs> oh i love j-lo so good so good um yeah so he j- yeah so you know everything is just about like how tiny things are and and max gets up to use the bathroom and marshall just like embraces him for like a really long time and makes it like so uncomfortable so weird it's so uncomfortable but he tells uh, the girls that's the only thing he can think about is like their salty lady talk, salty uh, sailor talk. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. And uh, Lily's like, well, "What about like locker room talk?" And Marshall yeah. says it's always like super vague. It's I tapped it, I got some, I squeezed those. It's never anything specific. It's very, very generic. And he's like, "It's they're very discreet about it." And so on the um, private uh, on the live stream. Or the live stream. Oh, my God. On the podcast, they talked about how that, like, that idea, like, came about in the writer's room um, because – did I just, like, cut out or did you actually hear me? I heard you. Yeah. Okay, because, like, like, my whole computer was frozen. Yeah, like, you froze for a minute, but I still had your audio, so. Oh, okay. Um, and start so they- over just in case. Okay. Um, so say like on the podcast, on the podcast, um, Rabia and Steven were talking about the idea of like that locker room talk came up because like they're, they have a very female heavy staff. Um, a lot of female writers, directors mm-hmm. or executive producer, unit production manager, editors are all women, which is really, really unique and kind of gives them that female perspective, which is kind of where this idea of like, um, the locker room talk came about because like the female staff didn't really have a lot of experience with it, just like Lily and Robin. Like, well, aren't you talking that way? And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like men imagining that every sleepover is oh, pillow fights. And pillow lingerie. fights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's usually talking about like sex or poop or like and then getting in a huge fight and crying. Yeah, yeah. Eating a lot of yeah. snacks. 
lot of those snakes. kind of things. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, but Marshall mm-hmm. is just super thankful that he is married and not single because he would kill himself if Lily talked about their sex life in that kind of detail. And yeah. there's just like this silent exchange with Marshall, Lily, and Robin. He realizes that that's not true. And it, Robin's response is perfect. <laughs> She's like, that argument has no traction. So it's just like oh, so. <laughs> so good. It's so it's good. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. So oh, loved, I love it. Yeah. Um, I will say. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, um, well, first of all, the locker room stuff. I mean, I think hearing that now has a very different meaning yeah. now that all the Trump stuff happened yeah. because uh, his locker room talk was very specific. Very specific. And disgusting. Um, but also, I have to say that I love Lily's sweater in the first scene. It's like brightly colored up here and then like normal like black and white stripes mm. at the bottom or something. It's really pretty. Her hair looks really good. Robin and Lily look beautiful on this double date. Like the the styling in this episode with the ladies is really, really good except for Zoe. Um, and then – Okay, so then um, there is a little bit of a scene that I I don't know if we skipped it or if I maybe you had this it. next. Oh, they, it was it's a Carter base. Yes, it's I a base just Thomas did all thing. of um, Marshall, the, Lily, the Robin. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, so um, yeah, so I'll do this piece. So um, the only reason Ted thinks that the Arcadian needs to be saved is because of Zoe. We know this, uh, but he didn't tell her that he's the architect. He said he was a vet. Um, and we learn unsurprisingly that Ted actually has a pretty extensive history of changing who he is, changing his hobbies, his, um, wardrobe for girls that he meets and that he isn't all that serious with. Um, so we see like a couple different versions of that over the years. One that popped out for me was Penelope taking him to Gettysburg. That feels like that's Season one, Penelope, who taught him the rain dance because she was a history candidate and a PhD candidate. So I'm like, oh, maybe he did go on a couple dates with that Penelope. Um, So, and we also learned that Marshall introduced Lily to the Indigo Girls, which I love. And I was just thinking about it because Ted was like, I'm not changing as a person. I'm just realizing I like these things because of that person. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and are are you someone who finds yourself doing that, like sort of changing your interests because of the person you're with, or or are you pretty like set in things? Both. Um, yeah. I like to. I feel like I'm like so sheltered and naive in some ways that like I like, uh, you know, I just haven't had a lot of life experiences hmm. like when I was younger. Um, yeah, and so. But like, yes, I know, like there are things that are are about me. And I think having been divorced like that, I know these things about myself, like yeah. they are not changeable. Um, but then there are things that like I'm open to like new experiences or like trying something that maybe I would not have wanted or not have been open to before just because of yeah. like I shot a gun, Kate. I went clay. Shooting. Oh, I want to do that so bad. Skeet shooting. Yeah. It, oh, I'm jealous. It was so much fun and i told chris like our entire relationship never gonna shoot a gun no interest in yeah, doing that yeah. i have i don't want to do it yeah i and shot then, one too i married a, i married a hunter so it's crazy yeah. right yeah. yeah um 
Yeah, I I agree with you that there there's like a line. And honestly, I'll say I kind of love that Ted is that open to to his yeah. partner's interests because a lot of times in heterosexual relationships, it's the, the women showing up to watch the men do what they do, whether it's playing video games, skateboarding, what whatever it is. Like I mm-hmm. had when I was dating dudes in high school, I watched so much skateboarding, so many terrible kicks, so much and video games, video games. Yes. So it's or like going to their sporting events or whatever, but ne- they never came to my shit. So I I'm cool with Ted being this open and enthusiastic about his partner's interests. But I do hope that he's not losing himself in these things. Um, I think one of the keys might be when you break up with this person, do you completely revert back to who you were? Or do you or, continue? Yeah. Do you incorporate that into your into mm-hmm. your life? You know? Um, so I guess I have a feeling that a lot of it was just him trying to you know, become somebody who was ready to be in a relationship with that person because he just yeah. wants, he wants that forever person so bad. Um, we also find out, you know, that Barney GNB is allegedly planting snake eggs in the Arcadian to get people to move out <laughs> I don't uh, because things. it's not just, it's not just an old building. People still live there. So it's like this very rundown um, slum basically. Mm-hmm. And Zoe Shows up at the apartment the next day, a few days later, in a second stupid hat. Um, oh. And she has stolen a, a bunch of tests. We're at two stupid hats right now. Uh, uh, she stole a bunch of test rabbits from a cosmetics company with her animal activist group. And right here, Ted probably should have known she was a bored rich lady. Like, let's let's be real. Because mm-hmm. you see that rock on her finger you don't even need to see the next episodes to know who the heck she is. But right. like, girl, you're too old to be doing this and feeling like you're not going to have any consequences. Truly. Um, but she thinks Ted is a vet, which is why she brought him the rabbits. <laughs> and right. I kind of I kind of wish we'd seen a scene of him with his vet supplies, like trying to act like he knew what he was doing with those animals. Because I'm surprised he got out of there with her still believing any of it. Honestly. Um, and we find out that she's been arrested for a lot of different quite things a few over the things, years. Yeah. Quite a few things over the years. And she is making the promise that she's about to really turn up the heat on GNB. And also specifically um, the people that are building Behind it, yeah. GNB, the new headquarters, which is Ted. So. She's just so unhinged. I know. Like... Ted really cares that she likes architecture that much. She's that hot? No, she's not. He's just so desperate. I mean, it has been five plus years that he's been, that only we've seen of him being, you know, trying so hard, being so vulnerable over and over again, screwing up, getting screwed, getting left at the altar, you know, falling in love with the wrong people and watching his friends kind of flourish romantically. Yeah. Is probably just taking its toll on him. So I get it. And this won't be the worst relationship he has. Which is. That's still to come. Um, now that's an adversary, I'll say. That was one that I enjoyed. But. I, it was enter Like that. It was entertaining. But it was entertaining. Yes, exactly. Um, so, yeah. So I understand it. It's just the Zoe that I don't 
love. Um, so then Ted goes to GMB and he refuses to let it go. Barney's been trying to get him to do it, but he can't. And he says he cannot tear down the Arcadian and he wants to be off the project altogether. He's so dumb. So, so <laughs> dumb. So, and he's so lucky. He's so lucky that this blew up as quickly as it did because he could have really, really fucked well, I guess we up. don't know if it's going to happen, but I mean, if he had gotten off the project and it was completely scrapped at this point, and then, I mean, imagine him seeing somebody else building his skyscraper, you know he what would, I mean? It would kill him. Like, he, how, it's so interesting for someone who's like, thinks about the future all the time. Like, he's sh- so short-sighted in this yeah. way. Like, he was already, yeah. like, they scrapped the project once. Like, you're replaceable. You're not... Right. You're no Hammond yeah, brothers. And I, and I think that we can, I think that we are far enough into this show and we know enough about the mother in the future and all of that, that it's not a spoiler to say that this project is Ted's baby, right? Like this yeah. is something that he's probably going to see to fruition because why would they bring it back just to cancel it a second time? Right. And also it's very clear that he and Zoe are not going to work out. So to have him throw away his only dream on something that is very clearly not going to work out would be That's... a terrible sitcom choice. It would get way too dark. Like, imagine how depressed he would be. So, it just seems off-brand for him, too. This is all – this This too shall pass, basically. Mm. Um, but I think this is a great time for us to pop in the second half of our interview with Carter Bays. Uh, so Enjoy. The show really opens up in season six, and now it all it all makes sense. Like you you get to see that that series arc happening, yeah. you know, like that you can feel the the engine really moving. Yeah, yeah, I, I and it was really fun to do. And the funny thing also is that like it really we also because we knew that like we're going to take this big step forward as a series. There's a, you're kind of always looking at like three arcs. There's like the series arc, the season arc, and the episode arc. And like sort of with every story you're telling, you're sort of serving those three stories all at once. And the funny thing about season six is it was, it really was like, even though like we finally took this big step forward in the storytelling of the series in those two bookend scenes, the, the story itself is really self-contained. Like I, it, it's sort of, I remember like sort of like when there's, so there's, there's a, a, an alternate ending for the series that we did. And, 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 and part of that is is Ted is the narrator Bob Saget god god rest his soul it's sort of taking us through like what happens in the various seasons yeah. like, like the whole story like telling the whole story of the series and i remember at the time like working on that like you sort of realized like oh nothing in season 6 actually affected Ted's story like it actually mm-hmm. like he has this he goes on this whole journey but then at the end of it he's kind of right back where he begins it's just that he he met he he dated the wrong girl was kind of what yeah, happened yeah. in that in that in that season, but uh, but as its own sort of standalone thing, I, I sort of I, I've always kind of looked at that season as like its own like like little novella of uh, yeah. within the bigger story. Cool, that's awesome. I love that. I'm rambling. Um, <laughs> we we are. I really want to talk about the book. I don't yeah. know what your time limits are. Um, well, I, I mean, so you can edit out as much of this as you want. And yeah, I'm, we're not editing. Out. Yeah, all right. um, okay. A final question about season six before we start to talk about your book is: um, we're about to talk about Subway Wars, which is one of our favorites. Oh, yeah. 
What a good episode. So good. Um, That's a good one to talk to because Craig was very, he was very instrumental in that and, and, and Chris okay, Harris. Cool. But, but go, go on. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt. Talk to Craig. I'm just making notes here. Um, but my question for you is, when did you first feel like a real New Yorker? Wow. When did I first feel like a new, real New Yorker? Um, I, uh, I mean, I'll tell you the truth. I, my first week in New York, I, 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 uh, I, um, this is going to go, this is going to just, just trigger warning that this is going to be gross. But, Perfect. Uh, I, I, uh, it's, I mean, it's a New York story. So of course it's yeah, gross. Yeah, of course uh, it's gross. But I, I, um, I, I was staying, I, Craig and I had just gotten our job at Letterman. It's my first week, you know, working my dream job. And I was staying with my, uh, my cousin, my cousin, William, who, uh, is, is who I, I love dearly, who, uh, he lived on, uh, on 46th Street between 9th and 10th, uh, in in what's known as Hell's Kitchen, which is a fantastic area and it's so lively. It's the theater district, um, but it's also historically like it's had some some dodgier elements to it. Yeah. And uh, I was walking to walking to work one day, and uh, thinking like, oh my god, I live in New York. This is like I'm like walking to New York. I, I, I'm walking to work. I'm like he's doing uh, like, it. Yeah. Like, he's on 46th Street. The theater, the Ed Sullivan Theater, is on 53rd Street. So it's like a like a ten minute walk, and it was just really exciting. It was like my very first week, maybe my second day, and I look over and there's a gentleman taking a BM between two cars, and and it was just this, I, and and it really clicked for me like, oh, this is like, I I'm a New Yorker. That's it took me days, and I'm a New Yorker because, and and there's a funny, it's a funny thing too because like I saw that, and then I don't, I feel like I never saw anything like that again in the whole, t- but I also everyone like gets one. That moment may have just like short-circuited my brain in a way that everyone's brain has to get short-circuited at some point when they live in New York to, yeah. like, to, to sort of like filter that out. Like, okay, I'm not saw that once. I don't need to see that again. So next time I walk by that, I'm just going to, I'm gonna, just a fire hydrant or something. I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. Thing with like just a moped is parked there or something. It's like, yeah, my brain well, just, just, yeah. Well, it's very it season six, the light with the dark, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. The contrast of New York. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. So, Let's talk about the mutual friend. We both love it so much. Um, how would you sum it up for people who who haven't read it yet? Uh, I know that's really hard because it's I'm like so insane. bad. At that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I, I what I really tried to do with this was to take a big glass bell and put it over the world as as I saw it at that particular moment, like starting in in 2015, um, and. Uh, it's uh, uh, sort of, I, I, I had a lot I wanted to say about technology and about the way that technology has changed the way we communicate and the way that I felt like at the moment, at the moment when I first started working on it, I just sort of felt like no one, I felt like we went from, oh my gosh, technology is going to change our lives to being completely over it immediately. Like, like mm-hmm. or at, least, at least like, like presenting that, that front of like, yeah, you know, we're all online. What are you gonna do? That's the, that's just life. And I felt like it it just someone like me, having been born in 1975, and and having lived on this straddled this, you know, my first 25 years, uh, you know, I didn't have, you know, there was no World Wide Web, and and now like my second 25 years, there's like everything is is there, and 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 so I I I sort of felt like I, I wanted to write something that sort of honors that and and honors the fact that that this is actually a big deal. Like this is the thing. A hundred years from now, this is the thing they're going to point at as like how how life on Earth changed. Like it, and everything else is going to go away, and it's going to be 
this was the this was the time when everything got connected and everything like and it and it 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 created a lot of it, it a lot of good came from it i think and, and and i wanted to like really make that clear and make not write something dystopian right something yeah. that sort of presents how like we're it's it's allowing us to be connected in ways that we've never been connected before we can stay friends with the person yeah. we knew in elementary school you know that in, in a way that you never would have in in human history uh but also it's it's created a lot of problems that weren't there before and uh so i just wanted to i wanted to tell that story uh and and so i and and it's a bit of a it's an epic it's a big it's a it's a big book but i but i i i the 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 comment i keep hearing that i love the most is that if people pick it up and think oh my god this is going to be so this is i can't read 480 pages and then they finish it within a day and, and yeah yeah i was super easy read i was yeah. flying through it and then i realized i had a huge chunk of it read and i was just like no it's almost over i did not want <laughs> oh. it to be done it was no yeah. And I will say it does feel, mm -hmm. it doesn't feel dystopian, but it does kind of feel almost sci-fi, right? Like, or speculative, like it could have been written like earlier, like in the very early days of the internet, like what could it possibly be like? But that just is how ridiculous the internet is now, right? It is yeah, everywhere yeah. and it's everything. Yeah. It, 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 that was, that was a big thing. Cause I remember like when the matrix came out, that was such a huge seminal movie for so many people. And it's, and it totally presented it was like finally someone did a virtual reality movie that actually like, like makes you feel like you're there and and, and really like really asks these philosophical questions in in a popcorn movie, uh, and um, and you know I I think it it made everyone start seeing life that way and thinking like oh my gosh what if what if there was a matrix maybe we are in the matrix and yeah it's sort of this realization like by you know 2015 you know 15 years after that movie came out like it felt like we're actually there. Like we're actually spending so much time, like having, having, you know, you know, outrageous arguments with our, with our thumbs that, you know, where we, we never expressing these, these unbelievable thoughts and not saying them out loud instead, like just, you know, in, in, in text conversations. And, and we're like having flirtations and falling in love and, and doing all these things without using our mouths, like just using our thumbs. And, and it, it just, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, it, it felt like more and more like I personally, and it's something I was grappling with. Like, I feel like I, and, and this also happened, like, you know, having, having kids made me constantly aware of like, I, I want to be present for my kids. I don't want to be like, yeah. like, I have a memory of, you know, like, you know, my parents smoking cigarettes occasionally. And like, I, I so like, I, I knew that like the cell phone is, is the cigarette of, of mm -hmm. my generation. And like, mm -hmm. I don't want my kids to have this, like, frozen image of like their dad constantly on the phone on his phone God, yeah yeah and so like i i and and that was sort of like where kind of alice's journey like the center of the the center of the the book it's it's a big story that encompasses a lot of things and has a lot of side trips and a lot of other stories and and lots of sort of fun uh, uh diversions but at the center of it is just this this woman who like me just was trying to like do something in the real world and not be distracted. And, and that, that was sort of like her, her dragon to do battle with was distraction just like mine was. And so I wanted to, to tell that story of, of see, see if she could pull it off, see if she could actually like make it to the end of that journey without yeah. getting thrown awesome. thrilled. Get back to work, Caller Builder. Yeah. That's so <laughs> yeah. Sweet. I, I just loved the book. Sorry. Yeah. It just, 
it's it's great book. Oh, I'm so glad, guys. Thank you so much. The, yeah, the- no, I mean, we uh, we we burned through it. I kept, I was like, like literally, like giggling out loud because I found like not because something in the book was funny, but just because I was delighted to be reading it. Yeah, oh. and just the way it was written, you know, like Kate and I would talk about like any the episodes that you would write with Craig, like there's scenes within scenes and flashbacks and forwards and here's a zillion more characters. And I loved that context. I loved like, I was telling my husband, I'm like, listen, listen, listen. Like, all right. So like they're telling this story and then like the next paragraph, it's just like you shift the focus away to have like context collapse. Like I started Mm -hmm. using that in like my, in like chatting with friends and I just love how it really like fills it out. Yeah. But was it hard to write that? Oh, extremely hard. And 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 I wanted to, I wanted to, I was really trying to experiment with like writing in a way that gives you the feeling of what what you're reading, and 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 like like with the like the the just the busyness, the buzziness of like how like the the amount of information out there is just like static, and it's hard to like stay like focused on one thing, and 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 the narrator is sort of taking you all over all over his universe as he's telling this very simple, straightforward story. Uh, and yes, it was, it was very hard to write because it was, uh, you, you know, just over the course of this one summer, there's so many backs and forths. I there was so much to keep track of. I, I, I had to use this um, sort of scheduling software to like sort of just make a calendar for myself of like, here's what this person is doing on this date. Here's what that person is doing on that date. You know, the, the test yeah. is on this date and there's sort of this running like kind of, TikTok uh, through the throughout the story of it's it's X days until the test, you know, and, and yeah. the sort of like to keep you like that was actually my my editor had that idea of like doing that just to like give you some sort of like a through line a through line to hang on to so you know like <laughs> are at any given time. Um, yeah, that's all we needed. I mean, I, that was that was perfect, and I loved like how you there'd be like this established scene in the story and then you go back and you hear it again from the other character's perspective mm-hmm, and you get mm-hmm. to see like how like you said like the whole world was really like fleshed out i told kate i want this to be made into like you had said on the ama about like a tv series i said i need to experience this like in the full sensory mode like i need yeah, to see so it cool. and hear it like it's just like i i, I either yeah i i hope that that comes to be it's actually like this so sort of the, the backstory of this this book was that I, I I knew I always I always knew I wanted to write a book, but I never like I wasn't sure I had the I had it in me. You know, I, I was it was, yeah. it was a scary, like brand new thing that I'd I'd never done. Um but this started as a as a pilot. It started as like like a I'm a TV like I had this idea and I and I you know, all I knew was to write TV, so I wrote it as a pilot and, and then I brought it to, to Craig and Craig and I worked on it together for, for a number of years and we tried to sell it and uh uh and he had some wonderful contributions to it. And then with his blessing at, at a certain point, I said, like, like when it didn't, you know, you, you, you write enough pilots and, 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 you know, you sort of learn in, in Hollywood that like pilots just generally speaking, just don't go anywhere. Like you, you write the pilot and, you know, it'll be one of eight. If you're lucky, it's one of eight pilots that, that any network or streamer is deciding between. And yeah. so, you know, two of those go forward and the other six just, just die on the vine. And, um, I had written enough pilots that like, I sort of like, we were kind of getting into this rhythm of like, create these characters that you love and, and give them, give them a challenge, give them a a goal in life, give them, you know, set up this story. I mean, you write a pilot to set up a great story. So it's chapter one. And, and suddenly sort of realized at a certain point that like, God, I've written like 20 chapter ones and, and there's, there hasn't been a chapter two. 
and I, and I just started realizing like I I need to I I need to tell a story all the way through from start to finish. I need to like I need you know I, it obviously how I met your mother was such a blessing and like to be able to do that was totally spoiled me in a way that like I like can't I can't like let go of a chapter one like I need to like and I, I need to follow through on it and and among those chapter ones like this one especially always sort of loomed very large for me because. I just cared so much about Alice and all the characters were sort of like drawn from my own experience and my own, like they're all like kind of sides of who I am, I think. And, and I just needed to like, I, I, I needed to stop waiting for someone to give me permission to tell this story. And I needed to stop like waiting for someone to give me millions of dollars to produce this story with actors and, and, and lights and cameras. And so I, I, that, that was the thing that pushed me, push me over the top into like realizing like, e- even though I, I don't, I've always like revered fiction and I, I love books and I love like, I, 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 I'm, I've always been like a big reader and a big lover of fiction, but it's always been like this magic trick that I didn't know how they did it. And, and I kind of didn't want to know cause I wanted to just like, just be dazzled every time I read a book. And, and so this was the first, it, it, it was something that like, I really had to get over that. I had to get over, I had to like decide like, all right, I'm just going to tell this story and 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 do my best and and see how it comes together and uh that's 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 how it turned into a book cool were there were there authors or or like craft books that you were reading to learn more about how to write this book were there like touchstones that you had going in or was it really just i'm just gonna sit down and do this i i Ultimately, I mean, there were things, you know, like Stephen King's book is mm-hmm. you know, everyone, everyone's read it and it's, it's, it's wonderful. There was, there was a moment where I just sort of, I, I had to realize, like, I, I just, I, I, I realized I can be, cause I had, I'd read a few of those books and I, and I always just felt like I'm, 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 I'm never, I didn't go to, I didn't get an MFA. I didn't go mm-hmm. to bread loaf or Yado or one of those yeah. You know, and I've always wanted to, and I've always thought that those those places are so cool. But I always felt like, well, they're 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 learning. That's Hogwarts, and they're learning their wizard <laughs> skills. And I I don't yeah. I can't do wizardry because I I haven't gone to Hogwarts. And I uh, I sort of the more I read and the more I would read things like on like 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 how to write a novel and how to do this, how to do that, the more I just felt like I'm gonna I'm never gonna feel ready. I'm never gonna feel yeah, like that's I, true. like okay. Yeah. I've read a hundred books on this and I've gotten my MFA. Now I'm ready to write a novel. I, I even, I know knowing myself, like I would go through all of that and I would still feel like, Oh, I'm a fraud. I can't possibly do this. So like, I got an MFA. I feel like a fraud, but it also, it like, it like, I think it narrows your idea of what a novel should be to some degree, like depending on what you're taught, like what your what book lists you're given and stuff. So yeah, it's education. Yeah, general. exactly. So, I mean, I, I think you, you you know how to tell stories, so I think yeah, you went about it. Do your thing. You clearly went about it the right way. Well, so thank you. You're doing thank you. It. I mean, and that's and I yeah. did. I did sort of. That was part of it. Was I just sort of said like, what do I know how to do? And it was like I know how to like go to mm-hmm. a board, go to a dry erase board, and break up a season into little stories, and and you know weave a, a, a little stories through a bigger arc. I knew how to do that, and so I was like, all right, I'll I'll start there, and I'll try doing that, but for fiction, and 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 you know write like. You know, uh, he, he said after every line, or she said, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's yeah, just, just change the dialogue a little yeah, bit. Yeah, just change the dialogue a little bit, and uh, so yeah, that was uh, yeah. Cool. Um, okay, so I have to ask. There's a mention of Louise Marsh in this book. There's ah. 
There's the there's the <laughs> coin chicken dinner. You I've been waiting for someone to catch that. And eighty three percent. I don't know. Sounds like eighty three percent. I didn't even there, remember that. Did I put that in there? Yeah, eighty three percent was in there, and I was like, oh, I perked right up. Who wow. isn't going to catch Louise Mark? I mean, it's, it is deep in the book, but yeah. Um, so I guess my question is: Oh, I just bottomed for the first time. Oh, <laughs> is is this book part of the? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Is this book part of the Hemium cinematic universe? Um, I. I I would love to say yes, but I'm going to say no. I'm, I, I feel like I I, I want to like uh, yeah. I I, I I partly for for legal reasons. Uh, you know, I, 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 I don't think yeah. I don't want I don't want uh, Disney to own this book. But uh, but but no, like I, I just uh, uh, I, I yeah. I don't know. I, I for some reason I I want I want there to be this kind of uh, this this uh, hermetic seal between the two universes. Uh, universe I. Uh, but I did use the name Louise Marsh because that was I felt like I, I got to do one of these and that and that was and that was like uh, like I didn't even use that name like you know you're you're just writing and you just put names in like you yeah. and for some reason the name Louise Marsh popped in my head and I was like oh that's funny but I'll probably change it and then I and then I just never did and it was kind of like all right I'll I love it yeah. it was okay. great to see it yeah. I'm so glad you caught that. That's so great. That that makes me that makes me very happy. There's there's tons of little stuff like I mean I mean and, and it's not. Not Himium stuff, but there's like little Easter eggs within the book. I, I really wrote it to be uh, to be something that like the second time you read it and the third time you read it, you catch more and more things. There's so yeah. many like, little like secret like stories threaded throughout that that uh, I don't know. I, I hope someday someone will catch. But cool, like little little tricks and little games and and I I I, I you know I love all that stuff. So I, I put I put some some uh, I put I, I snuck a lot of Easter eggs in there. Awesome. I can't wait to reread it. I know, I know. I told Kate I bought it, so I have it like physical hard, uh, hard, hard, hard cover. cover Ooh, yeah. And then um, I also had to got, buy it on my Kindle, so I have like all the different formats of it because oh, I was traveling God. a lot, and I was like, I need to take this with me. It's just so, like it's I said, so it was fun. just delightful. It was just one of those books that I felt so excited to be reading. Yeah, thank you. Um, that's wonderful. That's really nice to hear. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's it's been a joy to read it. Um, so through Alice's studying, like because as a writer, like the, a lot of it just felt like you were talking about your own creative process, like you were saying, like avoiding distractions, sitting down, getting you know, doing it every day. Um, there were a lot of tips throughout about the creative process, and so just wondering if there's one lesson you've learned through TV writing, through novel writing, that's that's been the most helpful to you as, as a, as a creative in different genres? Yeah. Uh, there is actually, it's funny you say that because there is one particular piece of advice in this book that <clears throat> I didn't attribute to the person who, who gave it to me, although he got it from someone else and I don't know who he got it from, but my cousin, William, the, the, from the, from the guy BMing between the cars, that story, uh, <clears throat> my cousin, William, William Brooks, he is a, uh, just a, a, a a true artist and, and someone who like uh, he, he was a, a he's a, a musician a songwriter he's written a lot of uh, uh, wonderful songs and and uh, just has lived this this wonderful artist's life uh, and he uh, and I, I love him very dearly and he he told me something once years ago and I don't know if I've never I haven't even talked about him to him about this since but he told me that uh, uh, a bit of advice that someone gave him was. If you leave your art for one day, your art leaves you for three. 
Yes, that was about the piano teacher. Yeah, the piano, and I used that in the piano. And, and in hindsight, I wish I had like credited him for telling me that within in the in the uh, acknowledgments of, of the book. But uh, but I'm acknowledging him now. So if anyone hears this, shout out, thank shout him. Shout out to your cousin. William that Brooke. shook me when I thought about it. then like the math, and it's true. Like the longer you leave, yeah. the harder yeah. it is. To yeah, and and it's it, yeah, and even if the math doesn't work out perfectly, I think it, it definitely feels anecdotally like I feel that way. Like. Yeah, it really is like do something creative every day. Like you have to yeah. like keep it, th- and 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 that is the make it a, a like I, I'm very big on on rhythms, and and like it's definitely like that was the thing that got this over the hump was me saying like I'm gonna I'm gonna approach this like exercise. Although I don't approach exercise like that. I probably <laughs> as one would approach. Yeah, exercise. as one I would imagine approaches exercise. But yes. like just just every day, got to do something. Do do a little bit every day. I get you know I set a goal of like at first it was 500 words a day, and then once I started like after uh, like a, a few weeks of that, I sort of realized like oh I'm like I'm I'm really I'm starting to like get into the groove of knowing how to do this, and and it I upped it to 750 words a day, and then by the end it was like at a thousand words a day, and it really just just make it something that you rhythmically do in your life and don't even take weekends if you can if you can help it and and i know that that's it's hard because life gets in the way and i, I have three kids so it was it was yeah. like this the real hero of this book is my wife and the, the our, our caretakers who took care of our kids just just you know, making that possible um yeah. but uh but yeah just just doing it every day i, I think like that's that's the being being uh uh consistent consistency is the key i think that's my favorite. Bit well, that's. I think we should leave it there. Yeah. So we we'd love to hear um, a little excerpt from the book for our for our friends. Okay, sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. And uh, I'm actually going to be reading. This is kind of neat. This is the <gasps> the, the UK, UK version. Version. beautiful. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah it's it's. I'm very curious. I'm very. I'm going to be curious, like, to see what the reading experience is because it's like you don't think that like people judge a book by its cover, but you know, I, I, I in, inevitably, like when you think of your favorite books, you think of their covers and yeah. uh, I'm curious how, how, how the reading experience will be different for people that read it with this one, as opposed to the other one. But, uh, okay. I'm going to put on my old man glasses now. Yay. All right. So, uh, the, I'm going to be reading, uh, this is a section from the, uh, from the first, uh, the first chapter. So, so we're towards the beginning, so you're not getting any huge spoilers or anything, but, uh, there's a character named Bill who is Alice's brother. Alice's uh, uh, br- brother, who uh, it's sort of a backstory on Bill is he's a uh, uh, an, uh, an internet entrepreneur. He designed a an, an app called Me Want That, which is a uh, sort of uh, uh, an, an app that really it's just puts things in front of you that you might want, and if and you just keep swiping through until you find something that you want, you click it and it sends it to your door. Uh, and and Bill is at a place in his life where he developed this app. Uh, made a made a lot of money and cashed out, and now he and his wife live on the Upper West Side, and he has no job, and he has no idea what he's going to do with the rest of his life, and he's sort of, but he's this this very like high achieving guy who suddenly has nothing to work on, and he needs something to to fill that that hole in his life, and the thing that ends up filling that hole or, or starts to fill that hole here is he really he starts to have a bit of a, a a um uh, a bit of a religious crisis a bit of a, a spiritual crisis and he 
he's walking along. I'm giving a lot of backstory here, but he's he's walking along with his wife and his sister. They're they're just strolling along Riverside Drive, and they pass by this statue. It's a real statue. If you go to New York, you can you can see it. It's a uh, hundred and something. I can't remember exactly the what what cross street, but uh, it's this this Buddhist church that has a this amazing statue that's was brought over from uh, from Japan of this uh, this Buddhist monk named Shinran Shonen, and and it's a it's a real statue, and and Bill sees the statue. And it, it triggers something in him and he realizes, like, I don't know anything about Buddhism. I don't know anything about about that whole like side of the spiritual side of myself. I want to explore this. I want to I want to learn. I need to I need to like I, 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 I need to like fill my brain with I got to find out what Buddhism is all about. What's this Buddhism thing? And it's this very like kind of bro attitude of like, I'm going to stop this. I'm going to do it. And and uh, so uh, his wife, Pitter Pat. Uh, is uh, she's just looking forward to a nice summer of the two of them hanging out and and maybe shopping for a new apartment and just 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 relaxing and having a good time and she can already sense that Bill is about to get swept away on this wave uh, of of this this new obsession so that's that's everything you need to know for the setup so now we are in uh, <clears throat> okay well that's all I'm gonna say and now I'm gonna start reading so here we go this is the mutual friend starting on page 49 in your hymnals. Uh, okay. <laughs> or in your, in your UK hymnals. Uh, I think eh, same, same hymnals. Okay. Even out here in the woods, Bill couldn't stop thinking about Shinran Shonen. The wind tickled the leaves and the forest floor crunched underfoot, but Bill wasn't there. He was on Riverside Drive, looking up at those sphinx-like eyes, looking out at nothing. Then the victim's mother started to cry, and Bill remembered where he was, a crime scene. The spring bloom had covered up every trace of Amanda Newsom's final moments, said the host. But for Amanda's mother, it's all still very real. Back after the break. Do you have trouble making decisions? Florp can help. And Bill remembered where he was. The Swiss Alps. A 22, minute, 22 minutes into a grueling bike ride, listening to a podcast. But then his wife said his name, and Bill remembered where he was. In his spare bedroom, riding a very expensive stationary bike with a video screen and over 100 pre-programmed rides. Bill paused the Alps and the podcast and took out his earbuds. Pitterpat looked concerned. Thank you, she said. Now, please say all of that to me again. Bill took a moment to remember. What have they been talking about? Oh, yeah. I signed up for a Buddhism class. A Buddhism class? Introduction to East Asian Buddhism. It's a continuing education course at Columbia with Carl Shimizu. He doesn't normally teach in the summer, but this year he is. The guy's a legend. He's like the guy for Buddhism. The guy for Buddhism? That's right. Isn't the guy for Buddhism Buddha? Well, yeah, but he's not teaching anymore. I thought you were taking the summer off. I am, he said, and only then noticed the worry in her eyes. Are you not okay with this? It's just a class. Of course I'm okay with it, she replied, trying to be cool. But she couldn't be cool. But you know it's not just a class. Sure it is. Right. It is, she laughed. I'm sorry, have you met yourself? You're going to take this class. You're going to love it. You're going to fill our apartment with all this Buddhism stuff. You're going to get all gung-ho and alpha about being a Buddhist. You're going to try and win Buddhism. Win Buddhism? That's like the opposite of what Buddhism is about, he said. But then upon reflection, but I mean, yeah, I think I could be like one of the all-time great Buddhists. Peter Pat laughed because she knew he was, he was kidding. But she didn't laugh much because she knew he wasn't entirely kidding. Bill took her hand and kissed it. Look, you were right, he said. I need a thing. And I don't know, I, I think my next thing might be Buddhism. 
I mean, what else is it going to be? Golf? Should I spend all day every day on the golf course and then come home and read golf magazines and watch golf videos and work on my swing? Or sailboats? Cars, maybe? What should my thing be? Cars, golf, or sailboats? He laughed, but she didn't. Me, she said. I want your thing to be me. Well, I mean, obviously you're my thing, he said, though he could now see it wasn't obvious at all. Come on, Pitt, you'll always be my number one thing. This is just my other thing. The words sat for a moment, and he knew to underline them by touching her arm just the right way. She sometimes resented these moments when his hair was messy and his t-shirt didn't quite reach the waistline of his bike shorts and his belly poked out, and yet he still could say nothing wrong. But she was grateful for them, too. It's nice to have someone who thrills you. Okay. If this was the person he would now be, she would visualize the best possible version of that person and help him become it. Well, if you're going to go back to school, she said, you'll need a backpack. And so she set off into her phone to find a backpack that was just so. As Bill went back to the Alps, back to the woods, and back to that patch of sidewalk on Riverside Drive. Oh, that's so wonderful. You know, it's really funny about that particular excerpt is that after I read that whole exchange, I laughed out loud and said to my husband, I said, you're Bill and I'm Pitter Pat because when my <laughs> husband goes all in, he goes all in. And then I find him the accessories, the things, the things to go with yeah. it. And, and but we love each other and he's not leaving me for, for Buddhism. And I feel, I'm sorry, I'm just talking over you, but I feel like that excerpt it just like shows like how the book shifts like the focus of who's talking and where what's going on and uh, and the idea of like virtual reality being completely real, real. yeah, yeah. Like, and he's in the Swiss yeah. Alps and then he remembers yeah. he's on a bike yeah yeah the way we can be in so many different places all at once and and yeah yeah or like how Roxy talks about how like this world isn't real like yeah this is not real like, yeah so oh. good sorry <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. This has been this has been incredible. I yeah. know we went over, so thank you so thank much you. Oh, no, for sharing sharing so much of your time with us. Um, where can folks get your book? Where can they find you? Are you doing? It's, it's in stores everywhere. Oh, you know what? I'm going to be doing a thing, and uh, I, I should plug this. I'm so bad at this. Uh, I'm going to be doing a, a little uh, a book signing at R.J. Julia Booksellers in Middletown, Connecticut, uh, on uh, Monday, this coming Monday. Uh, so uh, uh, I don't re I don't remember exactly the time, but uh, I'll I'll be there. Eight to five or six. Caitlin, no, six. Caitlin will okay. be there. I'll be there. Will be I will there. also put that up on the on the website or something, and I'll, I'll put it up on mine so make awesome. sure that people know. Awesome. Definitely. Ready to go? But uh, yeah, Great. I'll be there. Well, thank you so thank much, you. Carter. Well, thank you, this guys. This was so it's, wonderful. So, and and we're so like, I mean, Craig and I talk about this all the time. It's so it's so cool that you guys are doing what you're doing. Like it really. Uh, we love your show. We're just it's so. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's just really wonderful. We love you guys. We love you. Oh, feelings mutual. The feeling oh, is super mutual. But um, mutually friends. Oh, such a great second half of that interview. I hope everybody enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed recording that. Yes, thank you so much, Carter. You know we love you. And I will say, when we were recording it uh, with him, and he said in the very beginning of the episode um, or of the interview. Like something like I I I think we both heard him say I would be on another episode, but when I listened back, he was like I think he said I would be on every episode. Like I, obviously we would never we would never hold him to that, but it sounded like that's what he said, and that's just such I, 
just like go with that. Well, man, um, we will try our best to get Carter back um, for obviously season nine, if not sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, we will also be interviewing Craig Thomas this fall. I'll just say that. I hope. Can't even I, believe. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Uh, so. Thank you, Carter. Thank you in advance to Craig. Can't wait to talk more about season six to dig more into um, the stuff that you that that Craig had a had a big hand in. Um, so yeah, thank you guys so much. Hope you enjoyed the the interview, and let's finish up Architect of Destruction. Yeah, we still have two stupid hats to see. Yeah, I just she's so annoying. Okay, so let me go back to my find my notes. We're at the protest outside the Arcadian featuring dumb hat number three, I'll say. Uh, (laughs) Oh, yeah. So he goes down to the Arcadian to like show his support. And just as like um, he's like romanticizing everything, a banner then like unfurls. Yep, yep. And they look up and it's Ted in that stupid wizard costume when like Barney like snapped a quick pic with his phone and he's got that like look and uh, it basically it says, you know, Ted Mosby is the architect behind the new building and completely ruins any chance he has of pretending he's somebody else with Zoe. So that whole vet thing goes out out the window and uh, Zoe's livid. Yeah. And so then Ted then heads home and uh, goes back to the apartment and goes into the apartment. And that's where Barney's waiting for him. And he has yet again rented another swivel chair, <laughs> turns around. And this time he has the bunny because, as you recall, Zoe brought these bunnies to his house, yeah. uh, to the apartment, excuse me. And uh, he he reminds Ted that, like, either way, like, this building is getting torn down. And you have the ability to build whatever you want. Like, you are the architect in yeah. charge of this building. Like, you can make it look however you want. And then Ted realizes, oh, my God, I'm the architect. I can build it to be whatever I want it to look like. Yeah, I can um, create this compromise. Yeah. So he where decides. I save the good things. Exactly. So then he decides that he's going to uh, create a design that will solve all of the problems and get everyone kind of on board. And, you know, he'll still design this building for GMB. So that gets done. He still gets to design his building. That's done. And then he can make Zoe happy. So. And isn't that the most important thing, everybody? Yes. (laughs) Yes, okay, so next up, we are in bed with Marshall and Lily, but Marshall can't stop thinking about Robin, and we get this cutaway of Robin and Lily. It's very Sex in the City of them sitting in the corner the with their Cosmos, d- dissecting the the current sex act and how gross it is. I love it. Like, oh, he. He thinks I like this. It feels yeah. disgusting. She's like, it looks disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Who wants a giant pawing at their nether region? <laughs> it's like clearly like what they like Marshall's like worst fears. Uh, his like, insecurities. Voiced. Like oh. the Lenny from Of Mice and Men. Mice and Men. <laughs> just like he just thinks about himself as this big like ogre. Yeah. Open around. Poor sweet We'll have Marshall. to ask Craig if that is something that he believes about himself or is that something. <laughs> right. <laughs> um 
And we get a moment where Marshall finally has to stop things. And he says, I can't stop thinking about Robin. And Lily says, oh, that's happened to me a bunch of times. Just, Just lean, lean into, into it, it. And let it feed things. And that is a very clear bisexual Lily. Yay! Our favorite, our girl. Shout out, bisexual Lily. Um, but Marshall can't get back in the mood, and he freaks out, runs out, and thanks to not wearing socks, what happens? Slips. He slips in the hallway. Poor little Traction guy. Traction could have prevented that. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, which I just love that, of course. He slips and falls. Um, at the Arcadian, it's another day of protesting, and Zoe is as crazy as ever. She fucking defaces the billboard and puts Ted's number on there, which she only has because he signed a petition. I feel like that's gotta that's be like messed. Yeah. Yes. That's- and also dumb hat number four. Four in no one spoilers. episode. No spoilers, but I have watched a few episodes ahead, and they don't get better. Fuck. All right, so we're at four. The The count is currently four dumb hats in one episode. I'm picturing, like, you creating some sort of um, visual that's almost like a jib-jab. With all of her and her stupid and just like, Or just, like, her with one stupid hat and, like, her body's moving, and it's like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, like, like, also like Jurassic Park. You didn't say please. Yeah. Or you didn't say the magic word. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, God. Um, so, yeah. So, Ted sounds like, listen, I think, I think we can save the Arcadian. Like, I think, you know, maybe not the way you were thinking, but I think there's a way where we can incorporate the facade and blah, 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 blah. And, for the first time, for whatever reason, Zoe takes off her glove to touch the paper. I'm not sure why, but she gets like real close. And then Ted it's notices. A th- it's a very thin conceit, right? It's a very, yeah. I must, I'm so involved. I must take off my but, glove. And she's just like staring at it. With like her ring totally out like involved. This. Yeah. <laughs> Turn around. Turn around, Zoe. <laughs> Uh, and then Ted notices she's got a giant rock on her hand and he's like, uh, are you married? She's like, yeah, just like super offhandedly. And she's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you saying blah, 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 blah. And then Ted realizes that it's about the girl. It's, it's not about, about saving the, the, about the Arcadia. It's about the girl. It's always about the girl. It doesn't matter how hot she is or like he's not an adrenaline junkie. Like none of these things. Bless him for trying. But um, so he realizes that, yeah, it's about the girl. And um, he then takes the plans, totally scraps them. And he's like, the Arcadia is trash and it's going. And like, <laughs> it's done. That's it. I will say this for Zoe. She introduces her husband to the show, who is a character beloved by all. That is the one shining moment of the show is is her husband, who we will meet very, very soon. I almost said it, but I didn't. Good job. Um, All right. So later that night, Lily is on the phone with Robin in a very natural conversation that she clearly came up with herself. Basically filling Robin in on how last night went, 
when, you know, Marshall first stormed out because he was so upset, but then he came back with this renewed vigor and he, he took her and his manly musk filled the room. And all his sure-footed traction. Sure-footed traction. He was a complete stud. Animalistic. Animalistic. I and love Robin's like, that sounds that real. Sounds- and she's even like saying, I can't read that baby. Like, it's so obvious that he wrote and it. And Marshall's like mouthing it at, like a stage mom as like the daughter gives the monologue. Yes, it was so good. And I think one of my favorite parts of this scene, too, is like, right? So, like, Robin's on the phone with Lynn. She's like, yeah, that must sound real. And she gets up and walks away. And Ted's in the background. And then the camera, like, then zooms into him. Yeah, I just like, love, like, like, the idea of, like, all this existing. Because it seems yeah. so separate. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. And then you it know? all comes together at the same time. Yeah. And, yeah, so then we see Ted over, like, mooning by the window, like, oh, it felt like I would see Zoe again. And then there she's there she is. She's at his house. She's brought an entire protest to his house. And they all start egging his fucking window. What? Like, she is, like, unhinged and psychotic. Unhinged, like, there's nothing unhinged. funny. There's nothing charming. Like, she's not yeah, that attractive. Yeah, it's not charming. It's not, like... And if I were Robin, I would be fucking pissed. And you know what it is? I think I think it really is. Like, she's too old to be acting like this. Yeah. Like, if she, she was, like, an undergrad doing this stuff to a guy that she, you know, like. But she's, like, in her 30s. She's fully married. This like, is, like, she's a fully so married, immature. Yeah. Bore. Like, she's so difficult to like. Yeah. And like I never liked her like in like to begin with, but yeah. to have to watch her again and just like remember how just yeah, and I mean we'll, like every- we'll, we'll learn more about her. And I mean while it doesn't it doesn't make all this stuff like okay, but you kind of understand that she's just like she's flailing, she's lost in a way that Ted is, but she's just. A more annoying person about it. Ugh, yeah, like to she's, be honest. I almost prefer Karen. I a thousand percent prefer Karen, the original blonde, the, the original blonde, started, the one who started the curse. And I don't even like Laura Prepon as an actress or a person either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, but she's so, like so and good. I would as still Karen. rather, ha- yeah, like so. Zoe just feels. I feel like. Okay. I feel like it was clear Laura Laura was playing a character named Karen. I really mm. feel like Zoe is Jennifer Morris. This if she had too her. much free time. If she had too much free time. <laughs> this is just her. Like just great. Like just I don't know. Yeah, give her a <sighs> give her something that, you know, a limp or something that makes her not you, girl. <laughs> A little eye or something. Like, yeah, come on. A little eye. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. I say that no, as somebody I mean, who has a little eye. Yeah, I think we're going to have to eventually rank all the blondes. But for me, Ooh. Karen is Karen is great. Yeah. She, you love to hate Karen. Yeah. Because Where's again, like Zoe- it's funny. This is like, there aren't jokes. Where are the no. jokes? Where like- are the jokes? Like, there's nothing funny about her putting Ted's personal information on, like, doxing him, basically. There, that's just he, not funny. There's Zoe's nothing fun- the original doxer. 
There's nothing funny about her stealing rabbits. Doesn't matter how evil a cosmetics company is. Like, there's nothing funny about her egging his house and bringing other people. Honestly, it's giving strawberry vibes. It's giving strawberry. Meat is murder! Ruining that delicious hibachi. (laughs) Ah, Just another random skank. Oh, anyway, yes. anyway, anyway. Uh, so yeah, so then, yeah, she's throwing the egg. So then we cut to the men's locker room, <laughs> <laughs> and Max is like, "Yeah, you know, I, I think I got to break up with Robin. I love Barney's like you with her. It's like very confusing yeah. for him." And then he says, "Well, there's just you know something that she's into, and it." Just makes him real uncomfortable. And I love how Barney and Ted immediately know exactly what it is. And they both kind of like stiff and they're like, that is not, not for everybody. For I totally get that. And Marshall's completely left in the dark because again, they don't kiss and tell apparently. And, uh, and he's like, come on, come on. Let me know. Let me know. And that's like, dude, bro, it's a locker room. <laughs> come on. Um, so, yeah, so he doesn't get to find out. And then we see, like, the old man come over and just, like, put his leg up. And you can see, like, there's, like, a, a towel hanging that's covering up, like, his penis. Or you kind of see it on, like, the other side of his leg. Um, when Jack was little, because, you know, single mom, I would yeah. have to, like, he would fight me if I would take him into the public restroom with me, into the women's room. But mm-hmm. he was a swimmer for a long, long, or still is a swimmer. Um and we would go to the local pool where he would swim and I would take him into a unisex single stall bathroom and ch- like, you know, change him out of his clothes or whatever. And yeah. he was like, mama, it's embarrassing. I want to go in the man's locker room. And I was like, listen, you know, like heads up, bro. Yeah. He came out of there like this, like wide eyed. And he was just like. I saw so many hairy butts and balls (laughs) and balls. And And so like, we always laugh about like the old man in the locker room. And then I said something to Jack recently about like how he's so grown and blah, blah, blah. He's like a man now. And he's like, mama, I'm the one with the hairy butt in the locker room. now. I was like, baby, no, no, don't do it. Don't be Murray. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. That was his name. Murray. Yeah. 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 Um, It was Murray. What do you think it was? That Robin likes to do. Is it is it the, the old King, old King Clancy? Clancy? Yeah, I think so. The only other thing I can think of, because I guess it's kind of weird, but it's not that weird, is that she, and this is something we learned later that's just kind of like a silly thing. She likes watching herself on TV during sex. Oh, yeah. But that's not like super creepy. Maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know. Like, Barney would be into it. I think Barney would be like, yeah. oh, like... Not like, ooh, that's not for everybody. But I just want to remind the audience of what an old King Clancy is. It's when a man has sex with a woman and gives her a cream pie and then pours maple syrup on her vagina and eats her out. Thus eating a mixture of cum and syrup. I don't remember us sharing that. Oh. Well, there's also, it also could be a sticky 69 situation with uh, putting maple syrup. All we know is the syrup is involved. Yeah, that's it. Syrup and sex. I don't like either of those. I don't like combining food and sex, I to be honest. Leave it out of the bedroom. Uh, please, like, especially like people are like whipped cream. I'm like, ew, dairy? Ew, dairy? Dairy? The sticky, stinky dairy smell? Not to mention, 
My belly does not <laughs> like milk. Right, right. I think I sent you like a did I send it to you on Instagram? Not it was like trust right. my gut. Trust my gut. That shit can't even handle milk. Yeah, yeah. But like, Absolutely yeah, no. Not. Like, and then just like the stickiness of it. Same with like chocolate pudding. I don't want to find brown something in yeah. my sheets later. I don't like. I don't want. And I also don't, I don't want your saliva mixed with dairy or chocolate uh, on my skin. Uh, uh, you know how stinky that is? <laughs> I feel like that shit came from TV. Like TV it did. Was like, it's one of those things people don't do from like, what was it? The whipped cream bikini from. Yes. I don't want your laugh with Dawson. And scissoring. <laughs> hey, I like scissoring. It's all from TV. It's just so much work for like. There's a lot, not of, I, a lot of reward. No, it, it's if, like to be I like it as like a transitiony activity. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But it's not a not like, the main. It's not yes, the main yes. act. <laughs> We're defiling Carter's second. Half. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. No one listens this far into the episode. No, anyway, no. so that's We're fine. fine. Yeah, we're fine. Um, all right, let's do legendary moments. Woo! Okay. Let's, speaking of transitions, let's scissor our way into <laughs> legendary moments. <laughs> oh my god! Oh god, my the back of my head hurts from laughing. Oh, that's the best. You know. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. First one. up is Helena. Remember, patrons, you get your uh, legendary moments read in their entirety. Yeah. And first up is Helena. Helena says. Hey, ladies, it's a bad mental health day today, so I figure why Ugh. not send a bunch of legmos while I'm watching the show anyway? Ugh, girl, I've been there. Smart. Still there. I'm sorry. But yeah, that's him yum. It's a thing that makes you feel better. It's like an old friend that we come back to again and again and again. So I hope it helped you feel a little bit better. Self-care. Self-care. Ugh, Zoe. I I know it's not an unpopular opinion, but I do not like her, and she almost ruins the season for me. This means I don't care about this episode. episode's plot. A plot all that much, especially when you factor in the trans jokes. I've not aged well. However, credit where credit is due. The plot did result in one of my favorite lines of the show. Ted, I know you love you love crappy old stuff no one cares about. I have <clears throat> I have a history degree, so I am that person who loves old crappy stuff that no one cares about. And I'm sure all my friends and loved ones can relate to Barney in that moment. <laughs> I also love the B plot of this episode, and that helps redeem it for me. Bonus legendary moment to snakes. I don't recall saying snakes. Another quotable <laughs> moment. Look out for my next email in approximately 22 minutes. Helena. Hey, yeah, Helena did send a whole bunch at once. So that is another way to do it, guys. If you're just sitting down for a binge, send them all in. Just make sure they're labeled in their subject line. Helena, you did great. You did great for that. Okay, next up is Avner, and Avner says, Hi there, Kays. This is such an enjoyable episode. Zoe is a controversial character, and her entry to the show in this episode maybe causes some frowning from a lot of fans. But when you think about it, this episode has a lot of good, which brings me to my legmo. Ted and Barney's chemistry in this episode. Their interactions make it hilarious throughout and really shine some light on the value Barney brings into Ted's life. Have a nice day, Avner. Very good points. Barney helps blow this all up so he can continue to chase his dream. Did you die? No, I didn't die. Oh, okay. What happened? Everything okay? The food I ordered to send to Jack that I forgot to change the address came here still. Oh, no. Fuck. All right. It's fine. It's not. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not. They're not far. It's fine. Okay. What'd you Just get? Recovery room. Now I want to eat it. 
Salad or pizza? Both. And some focaccia. That's what kind of salad? Uh, Chop pasta. I love love the blacksmith. That's my jam. So also love, but we... Well, we don't even call it recovery room. It's just salads. And when we say salads, it's always that salad. So, like, yeah. it's hard for me to, like, It's the deviate. only good salads. It's the only good salad. Like, there's – and we go through periods of time when it's, like – You um, eat a lot of them. Oh, and they're dressing yeah. – the balsamic? Forget out, about it. Out of this world. Forget Out about of this it. world. Okay. Anyway. All right. Who's – let's see. Kalpesh. Kalpesh says – Hey, girls, I do not find this episode one to remember. I had to watch it again. <laughs> Honestly, a lot of the jokes seem outdated for me. However, my legendary moment for this episode is the final part where Max talks about Robin's odd behavior. Ted mm-hmm. and Barney, of course, know it. For Marshall, however, it means a mystery. Take care, girls. Love the interview with Carter Bays. That was a wonderful gift for all of us. Thanks, Kalpesh. Oh, thank you. Yeah. All right, next up is Chris, and Chris says, Hey, K&K, I'm so sorry I missed the live watch for Subway Wars. I actually was in your area spending my mom's 80th birthday. I've never been to New England in summer. It's lovely. Oh, that's so nice. Uh, while I remember not enjoying the season very much, so far the episodes are much better than I recall. This one had a really great job of acting from the cast as a whole. In this one particular, in in this one particularly, Marshall's reaction to Max's small penis and girl talk. But my legendary moment is the architectural wizard billboard. Just fantastic. Good one, Chris. Next up is Adam. Adam says, what a fun episode. I honestly forgot the whole penis joke thing from this episode. Mm -hmm. This is a story mover episode, and it may not have been a fun one for most people. It shows how much Ted changes just for a girl. I used to be like this. I tried to be cool and collected for a brainy chick, badass motorcycle guy for a biker chick, and even an asshole drama guy for for a sport? Sport? But none lasted because, oh, spurt, because none lasted because it wasn't me. I'm a nerd. and I love being a nerd, lovable goofball that I am. My wife and I went to Comic-Con last year for the first time. And it's honestly the best time I've had because she's my missing piece. Oh, so my legendary moment is when Ted walks out in the wizard robe and hat. It kills me. And it's just so funny. P.S. <laughs> super jealous. You talked to Carter and I listened to the whole interview that day because I was so excited and proud of you too. Oh, thank you, Adam. I was hoping when I found your show and listened to it that it would lead to this amazing job. And I can't wait to see what you two do next. Your friend, Adam. Thank you, Adam. Thank you so much. Um, Okay. Next up is Tish. And Tish says, hey, ladies, congrats on the big interview. I'm so proud of you both. Thanks, Tish. I don't normally watch this episode. It's that I hate. It's not that I hate it. It's just a meh episode for me, to be honest. Yeah. I did like the way Barney transitioned the conversation by saying and speaking of a disappointing weenie. I think my legendary <laughs> moment has to go to Barney spinning around in that chair. I know he's done it before in season four, but it just makes me laugh. Regards, Tish. Good one, Tish. Thank you. All right. Next is Rebecca. Rebecca's writes. I struggled to find a legendary moment for this one. Eventually decided on when Zoe asks Ted to sign the petition, not knowing he's working for the enemy, then cuts back to Barney spitting the scotch out. I also like Barney turning around in the chair with the rabbit like an evil movie villain. Finally, fantastic interview with Carter. Loved it so much. Thank you. Thank you all. Okay. uh, Next up is Ben. And Ben says, hey, ladies, while I am not a fan of the Zoe storyline, same. I... Are there Zoe fans out there? I want to. Yeah, know. I want to know. I um, know. 
Other than who she introduces us to, no spoilers. That's what I said, Ben. I still enjoyed this episode. My legendary moment goes to Barney. He has so many great moments from the billboard to the swivel with the rabbit. However, my favorite has to be the running joke about snakes. It makes me laugh every time. Yours, Ben. Also, for the love of God, boobs. I love that he's like solid C cup. He's like a moment for like respect or whatever. Perky bounce. Yep. Classic. Classically gross. Yeah. Last <laughs> but not least, least is David. David writes, hey, K&K, I enjoy this episode. From my perspective, it has a lot of good small jokes placed throughout and starts uh, such a continue some storylines. I think I have two ledge modes for this episode. First is the early scene with Ted and Barney. I get a kick out of Barney's wait for it. And then maybe 20 seconds later, Trish walks in with an inner office memo and all it says is dairy. And I laugh every time Barney says, not now, Trish. <laughs> gets me. My other legmo is the whole conversation between Marshall and Lily leading up to them trying to have sex. Marshall socks. Papa needs traction. <laughs> the way Lily slurps her egg. And the whole scene is great. Also, can we discuss how Zoe says old is always better when she first meets Ted? Not to give anything away, but I didn't quite catch that from my pre- previous Hymnum viewings. Just interesting if you ask me. Mm. Stay great, David. Thanks, David. Thank All right, you, Caitlin. David. What? Is your legendary moment, Caitlin? Um, I think I have to go with the conversation between Pretend the Lily and Robin. Like, I just, <laughs> like, it just cracked me up them sitting there with their drinks. Um, I also loved um, the snakes throughout the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two How about you? Um, I got to give it to New is Always Better because it's mm. it's an excellent runner that will take us through this season. It might even go further than that. Um, but yeah, so I, I love that. The whole thing with the the grape scotch and all of that. Mm-hmm. So new is always better is definitely my number one. That's great. Hmm. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for listening. And we will see you next time for Baby Talk. Make sure to send in your legendary moments to heybeautifulpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to put in the subject line um, Baby Talk so that way we don't miss it. And if you love this recap, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, helps people to find us and helps our HB family to grow. And be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher so you never miss a recap. And we hope you come back next episode because it's going to be legend. Wait for it. This has been Hey Beautiful with your hosts, Kate Gorton and Caitlin Turner. Our intro outro music is by Owl All. <laughs>